It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Welcome to the show. This is the money guy show and I'm your host, Brian Preston. And today we're going to be talking about something that's very important to all of us. That's college planning and savings. And remember, the purpose of the Money Guy Show is we're here to restore order to your financial chaos. And we are going beyond common sense. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of financial talk shows out there that are talking about the the fear of having too much debt, that are talking about how we're spending more than we make. And I say that's a big duh. You've got to spend less than you make so you can get into the important stuff that's going to give you true financial independence. And that is what this show is here for. We are going beyond common sense. And I want to talk today, uh, first let me give you some information on how you can contact the show or also get show notes. You can go to money-guy.com. That's money-guy.com. You can go to that we- our website, and we always publish our show notes. That way you can follow along with exactly what we're talking about. And then when I talk about links and, and give you additional information, you can click on it right there. That way a lot of you who might be driving in the car or cleaning the house, doing whatever you're doing while you're listening to this show, you can come back later and review the notes because I think some of this stuff is that important you want to do that. If you really want to automate the process, you can also go to the website and on the left-hand side you can type in your email address and you can subscribe to the newsletter. And that newsletter, if you type in your email address there, every time we update show notes and, and, and put that on the website, you will get an email with those show notes emailed to you. And then, alas, of course, we have our print newsletter that you can subscribe to for the low, low price of $29.99 a year. I think it actually it's $29 a year. I think I added the 99 cents for no reason. But you can subscribe for $29 a year, and you get the exact same newsletter that I'm sending to actually to my wealth management clients because I am, by day, a fee-only financial planner. But jumping in, <clears throat> what you got to think about for college planning, and I want to level with you guys. You, um, I've gotten some emails, and, I, and I've taken note, and that's what today has driven today's show, is that I do... A lot of shows, as you probably can tell, where I focus on retirement. And um, I think, and the main reason I do that is because I truly believe, and what scares me to death is that most Americans aren't doing what they need to do to prepare for retirement. I'm just so worried about where this country is going to be in 10, 15, 20 years with um, the way Social Security, the way Medicare and everything is set up. I just worry the liabilities are out there. We don't have defined benefit pensions where you get that that set lump sum every month like our parents had and our grandparents had and and this stuff scares me to death and that's the reason I focus on retirement so much is I'm trying to scare you to the point that you make the right decisions so that you're not left in the situation that I'm worried a lot of Americans will be if they don't start doing the planning now because becoming financially independent the slow steady way of saving on a monthly basis which is the easiest way to become rich, but it is also a young man's game, meaning the younger you start and take advantage of compounding interest, the easier this whole process becomes. And that's why I say it's a young man's game. But then I get some emails, and that's what I'm going to talk about right now. I get a lot of emails from young people who say, Brian, 
I'd like to buy a house at some point in my life. I'd like to, you know, how do I save for a car? What about, you know, I've got young kids. How about college savings? And that's what sparked this is because I realize a lot of times when I talk about retirement savings, because always you hear me talk about you got to be saving 15 to 20% of your gross income. And that scares a lot of you. And, And you're wondering what about all these other life goals? And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today is the education planning, because I know that's one of those life goals outside of just retirement. There's many other things besides us just going to work and planning for retirement. We do have all these other things that pop up, you know, like like the new home purchase, like, you know, planning for, for juniors' college education. And these things are important, because who do you love more than your children? I mean, is there is there really anybody besides your spouse? I mean, I'm one of those people. I'm married way up on the food chain. If you ever saw my wife, and I don't put her picture out there on purpose because I don't want you guys to see how well I did. But if you, I, I married way up on the food chain, and I think besides our spouses, our children are our most important thing, and, and important thing in life. I mean, I know a lot of us. That's where we put a lot of our time, we put a lot of our energy into making sure our children have everything possible, and we want to be good parents for them. But I got to warn you, there is a word of caution here, is that. You have to be careful when you're talking about college funding is, you know, it's not one of those things where if, if, if junior doesn't have money to go to college, they can go do some co-op type program. They can take student loans. Maybe even they qualify for scholarships or some type of merit type system where they can help them pay for college. Whereas you get to retirement age, what are you going to do? You're not going to be able to have a loan. There's no retirement loans that you hear out there. Um, you know, there's no such product that says, hey, you know, you retire. Don't worry, we'll give you this money and it'll just accrue interest. But don't worry about making payments until the day you die. It doesn't exist. That's not the case with student loans. You know, a lot of when your kids go to college, if you haven't saved the money, it's not all lost on them. They can still go and get student loans or get grants if they if they have you know if they actually have a need there if you don't have the income there might be some financial aid that's available to them and you don't have that with retirement so i say be very careful make sure that you are doing what you need to do on the retirement side before you go and and put everything in a junior's college fund and then you're left holding the bag when you get them through college but you've done nothing for retirement because i will tell you what is going to happen if you really want to be an asset to your children in the long term Make sure that you're doing everything so that when it is time to retire or or when you're relying upon your assets, you're not having to go hit the children up. Um, You know, I think that's one of the best gifts you can give them is if you're a financially independent parent, you can kind of let them spread their wings and do their own thing, and you don't have to go be a burden on them in the future if you've done everything you're supposed to with making sure you have the right health care, making sure you have enough money to pay for your retirement, that is a great gift that you can provide to your children as well. Now, I say all that, and then I've got to tell you, me personally, I was fortunate enough to graduate from college without any student loans or any debt whatsoever. And I was able to do that because I was able to pay for college, the expense of college, meaning tuition and, and, and por- a portion of the books through scholarships. I was very fortunate that I was able to get scholarships to pay for that. But then I also had loving parents that paid all my living expenses to let me live up in Athens. I am a University of Georgia graduate. Go dogs, And, um, and I'm very proud of that fact. And because I came out of college without any debt, 
I was able to immediately hit the ground running on when it comes to saving and building financial independence. So I tell you all that about college savings because I want you to think about how important retirement is, but then you know, if you do have the assets and the wherewithal to still have enough money that you can come back and fund college savings for your children, it is a tremendous opportunity to let your children or grandchildren, for that matter, if, you, if you've done well enough that maybe you can even help out your children's children, it's, it's nice that you can let your, you know, your lineage hit the ground running and start saving immediately after they leave college because it is a tremendous opportunity. I think a lot of my friends, I've met a lot of people that, you know, I see their taxes and everything else and I see how much they make. And it's not surprising that there's a lot of people that I see that are making a ton of money, but they just never seem like they're um, on top of the game. They would even probably think that I make more money because of some of the things I have. But the di- big difference is is that they're strapped with huge student loan debt, and I didn't have any. So we were able to come out and save and do other things. You see that all the time with doctors and everybody else. So when you go to the doctor, and this is my only editorial statement, when you go to the doctor and you're thinking about all the money these doctors are making, also recognize most of those doctors come out with six figures worth of debt that they got to pay back, which is pretty scary. And that's why if I do have any doctors, which I've gotten quite a few emails from you guys, I caution you, be careful because a lot of you guys, especially the doctors, graduate, you come out making good money. You go through your 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 residence period where you're still not making any money, and then you actually get on full-time at a facility, in a hospital or private practice firm, and you start making really good money. And you feel like that's the time you need to reward yourself and go out and buy that fancy BMW, Mercedes, or whatever. I tell you, hang in there. Don't do that. Put together a pay-down schedule on that student loans, on those student loans, so you can pay those down quickly and then move on with your life. That's what I would encourage all my young doctors to do because I think you get trapped when you go out there and spend that fifty, sixty thousand dollars on that car, and it immediately starts depreciating. Meanwhile, you're still racking up interest on all those student loans. So it's something to consider. Don't go fake success until you've actually paid back the basics and are doing everything you need to. Now, we're going to be talking about. Let me tell you what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the different education funding vehicles. I'm going to go through every account that you can actually use for educational savings. You can do Coverdell IRA accounts, um, which, by the way, are named after a senator here in the state of Georgia. He, he's deceased, um, Paul Coverdell, and um, great, great senator. And actually, I went through one of the, I went through the Coverdell Leadership Institute, which was named after him. His namesake. He made a big impact here in the state of Georgia, but he also was a big supporter of education, and that's why, as a you know, as kind of a a legacy for all the great work that Paul did, they have named this the Coverdell IRA accounts. And we're going to go over those and how those can be a benefit to college savings. We're also going to talk about the old school custodial accounts. That's your Uniform gifts to minor accounts, or UTMA, is another type, depending upon which state you live in. Um, The old tried-and-true custodial account. We're going to be talking about the pluses and minuses of considering that. We're also going to be talking about IRAs as an educational savings vehicle. I got an email from one of our listeners, Cyrus, and Cyrus wrote, Brian, I enjoy your podcast. Thank you for all the great advice. I wanted to get your thoughts on saving for kids college via 529 plan or Roth IRA. Both seem to offer the same result, but I'm starting to think that Roth is better because you can use the money beyond just college expenses, and the funds are not considered as assets for determining financial aid, except for the fact that they're 
are no contribution limits to a 529 or the others can contribute, do you see any reason to stay with 529s rather than Roth IRAs? Do you know if you can convert a 529 to a Roth? These, this is a great question, Cyrus, and I'm going to get to this a little bit later. So we're going to be talking about can you use um, IRAs for education funding. We're also going to be talking about savings bonds. We're going to be talking about 529 prepaid tuition plans that states offer as well as the 529 savings plans. And the thing about those 529 savings plans is that there are a ton of them. States aren't limited to just one plan. They can, you know, it's not uncommon that you'll find a state will have six, seven different plans, and they're not all created equally. Believe me, there are some that are cream, and there's some that are sludge that are floating at the bottom that you have to be careful of, because if you're paying, if you're not watching and paying attention, fees could be robbing your children of their future education. If you're not careful, if you pay attention to the plans that are available at all the different states. And then I'm going to be talking about, just to give you a clue, because I think it's one thing to educate you, to give you all the definitions. It's another thing if I can go ahead and give you the best and worst 529 plans. I've put the best list together based upon some research I've done, and then the worst list came from some research that Morningstar has done. So we're going to be looking at all these different things on this podcast when we're talking about the importance of education planning and and college planning and savings. And this doesn't just have to be for your children. You can also use these funds for yourself. Um, We're going to be talking about which vehicles work for that. So I want you to take all this into consideration and know that we are here to do everything we can. So... I've got, I'm about to have to take a break. I went a little long in this first segment, but um, we can go ahead and briefly talk about Coverdell IRA accounts. And Coverdell IRA accounts um, have a, a maximum contribution limit of $2,000 a year, which is not a ton. That's the only thing. That's a pretty big limitation that they only, you can only do $2,000 a year. And they do have another bad side is that if you make decent money, um, they do have a phase-out. They have a limit on how much you can earn before they phase out. It's $110,000 for single individuals and two hundred twenty for people that file a married, filing jointly type tax return. So there are l- contribution limits that you have to be very careful. Income tax break-wise, there's really no tax um, break on making the contributions, but the earnings are not taxed federally if you use them directly for qualified educational expenses. And what are those expenses that qualify? It's your books, your supplies, the equipment, tuition, room and board, if you're at least a half-time student, elementary, secondary, and or college costs. And when I come back from the break, I'm going to tell you why Coverdell IRA accounts are completely different from all the other savings vehicles and the fact that they can help you with some of those private schools on K-12. through So stay with me. Hopefully you'll recognize that we're here to do everything we can to restore order to your financial chaos. And I am your host for The Money Guy Show. This is Brian Preston. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. This is Brian, the host for The Money Guy Show. That's Brian Preston. And by day, I am a fee-only financial planner, and we are going beyond common sense to restore order to your financial chaos. Now, before we went to break, we were talking about how the different college savings accounts, and we are currently talking about Coverdell IRA accounts. And as I mentioned before the break, that the use of the money, what you can use these accounts for are books, supplies, equipment. And when I say equipment, I'm talking about you can go out and buy computers. You can go out and buy anything that is actually for educational purposes to be used. Tuition, 
room and board, and room and board is huge because if your student's at least a half-time student, meaning they have enough hours to be considered a half-time student, you can use these accounts to fund their room and board, which is tremendous. You're going to notice that some of these savings accounts do not offer that opportunity, so that's actually a very nice benefit. They also, and this is the big thing about Coverdell IRAs that people love, they can fund elementary that's meaning K and secondary, that's K through 12 on private school. So if you have a child that you know you're going to be, you have a ch- maybe a brand new bo- a newborn at home and you know you're going to be sending them to private school, you're going to love that Coverdell IRAs can be used for funding that purpose. You can put them in and then any growth that comes from those accounts is going to be completely tax-free in the future if you use them for that that private school in K-12, through as well as if there's money left over after you fund the private school, it's available for college. And that's what these things are, great savings opportunities. Who has control of these funds when you set up these accounts? Who has ultimate control? Is really, you have to know, the big downside on this is that any money that's left when that child in the account, as that child turns 30 years of, of age, will be automatically distributed. And there will be some tax implica- implications when that money is distributed. So you have to make sure that this money is u- completely used up by the time the child is age 30. Um, the negatives of doing Coverdell IRAs is they have a low contribution limit. There's also that whole income limit I talked about. If you start making really good money, you can't use these plans anymore. They also have an adverse effect on financial aid, and they could reduce your ability to claim certain educational tax credits. That's like your lifetime learning credit, the HOPE credit. There's different credits that you can take on your individual tax returns that might be limited by using the Coverdell Educational IRAs. If you want to know where a great place to go look at these, um, if you're looking for an independent source to, to set one of these type of plans up, I think Vanguard has a great plan. I've actually got a few clients that have set up the Vanguard Coverdell IRAs because they know they're going to send their children to, to um, private school for K-12. through And you can go to Vanguard.com. And I, I like kind of if you have a, a newborn, one of the funds you might want to consider is like the – the, the total stock market index. They have a total market index fund that's that's pretty good. Or it could use one of those target retirement funds. And all you have to do if you want to use one of those target funds is just choose the year that's about the year that, you know, the, choose the year that cor- correlates to when your child will be entering college. And that will work out very nicely that it will get automatically more conservative and um, the mix will go from aggressive to conservative as they do approach college age. So that's something you really want to consider. Let's talk about another funding vehicle, which are custodial accounts. Now, everybody in the world, when they were, you know, in, in my generation at least, if you're in your mid-30s, it seemed like it was not uncommon for people to have custodial accounts. Parents set up custodial accounts all the time, and you could do up to 12. Your parents could contribute, or you could put, have put into the account maybe from Christmas gifts, or you have a, you know, an odd job or something you did as a child. You could, uh, you, you could have, your parents could give you up to $12,000 a year, and that's the personal annual gift tax limit. That's how much the law allows some individuals to give to other people. Um, now, remember, that doesn't apply to spouses. Spouses can give as much money as they want to back and forth, but there is a limit on how much you can give to relatives and any other individual, and that number is $12,000 a year. Now, income tax breaks-wise, 
these things have actually gotten worse. And that's why I'm going to recommend a lot of people probably aren't using custodial accounts for education funding as much as in the past, or maybe they should consider not using them as much in the past because the tax breaks really aren't there as much. It used to be in the past, especially for for higher income people, you could set up a custodial account, and it was nice because you had these assets put over there, and they were subject to a much lower tax bracket because your children were were, were considered a separate tax-paying entity, so there weren't as, as big of tax implications. Well, now we have all these kitty tax changes that have occurred in the last few years that have now really taken, eaten the heart out of of the, the tax benefits of setting up these plans. So they're not as tax advantaged as they were in the past, so you need to be careful. The use of the money, this is one of the huge benefits. It can be used for any purpose except for parental obligations. So that means this money does not have to be used just for college or for education or for private school, K-12. through It could be used for weddings. It could be used for the, your child's first home purchase. There's no limit to what you could use these funds for as long as they're not used for, by you, the parent for personal purposes. So there's a lot of flexibility on the use of the money. Who has control? This is the huge, huge negative on the old traditional custodial accounts. Your child reaches majority age, and if majority age is 18 in your state, a child could walk in on their 18th birthday, take every dime out of their custodial account, and use it for whatever they want to. They could go take all their friends down to Mexico. They could go buy that exotic sports car with all the money you saved for college. There's no limit to what your children could do with that money because it's legally theirs. Now, sure, you can tell them that if they do that, you will cut them off completely and never help them out as a parent again, but they still have that right, and that's a big concern because the loss of control, I think, scares a lot of parents out there. Um, the negatives I wrote, I, I wrote on, on my notes here, the, the negatives are probably the least tax advantage savings options out there, and the loss of control once the child reaches adulthood is a huge disadvantage. They're also detrimental to financial aid eligibility, and if the account balance is small, your investment options can be limited and expensive. And what I mean by that is, is if you think about it, if you go to Vanguard.com, you go to Fidelity.com, you go to T. Rowe Price, any of these nice, low-cost providers that have a great reputation with their investment customers, and you'll find that a lot of them have minimum investment requirements. And on a custodial account, since that's a, not a retirement account, it's just a normal taxable type account, it might that minimum investment might be $2,500 for good funds, might be $5,000. So if you're not putting a lot of money into these accounts, you might have trouble really buying anything that's worth a flip in this account. So be careful because custodial accounts do have limitations. IRAs. This is getting back to the question, the the email question I got back from a listener where I was asking, should they use Roth IRAs instead of 529s for college funding? And I do think IRAs could be, can be great funding options, opportunities for, you know, saving for your kids or grandchildren's college education. But there's a huge catch. Now, let's first go through the contribution contribution levels, and then I'll talk about that catch. You can do $4,000 a year currently in 2007. If you're over 50, um, you know, and you're doing this account for yourself, you could do up to $5,000 because they do have that catch-up provision for people who are over 50. But here's the big caveat that's out there on using IRAs. In order for a person to open up an IRA, 
they have to have earned income, meaning wages. They have to go out there and work with their hands and, and earn a wage. This is not investment income. It's not any other passive type of income. This is earned income, meaning that they actually have to go earn it through using their brain, using their hands, whatever it is. I don't know many young children, especially the young children, if you want to start this when they're really young, um, that earn any money. I mean, I have a, I have a four-year-old at my house, and... She's not out there earning any money yet, and I'm not going. To, and I think it's there's a lot of people will say, "Well, just write them a W two. You know, you set up as an you know pay them for mowing the grass and stuff." I think there's a lot of administrative hoops you have to jump to jump through to get your children to qualify for four thousand dollars of earned income. So that's a big caveat and a big negative on being able to use these IRAs or specifically Roth IRAs. Um, for college funding is because they actually have to have the earned income to contribute the money. And a lot of children just don't earn enough money to make it where you can put enough money in the account so that when they reach retirement age, there's enough there for them. Um, income tax breaks, and I'm um, talking about taxes with these Roth IRAs and IRAs, there's no 10% penalty if the withdrawal is used for qualified educational expenses. That's why this question probably even came up. Roth contributions, not earnings, can be withdrawn without penalty at any time. The use of the money, the money that's qualified education expenses can be tuition, fees, books, and supplies. And the control is always going to be with whoever the account owner is. They're the one that earned the money. They're the one that contributed the money. So it makes complete sense that that is who ultimately has control of the account. I wrote the negative on here, is that, and I've already talked about this, is that very few children have enough earned income to make this an effective college savings vehicle. So that's something that you really need to consider. Let's talk about savings bonds. It's not uncommon. I think you see a lot of people, grandparents specifically, who were giving out savings bonds to their grandchildren for college education. And um, we're talking about I-bonds, which are the inflation-protected bonds, and then we're talking about the double E-bonds when we're talking about college savings. Contribution levels. You can do $30,000 a year for I-bonds, or you can do $15,000 a year for double E-bonds. Income tax breaks. This income is completely tax-exempt, meaning the interest earned is tax-exempt if the bonds are used for tuition and fees. But be very careful with this because there are strict earnings limits. And it's not even super wealthy to be excluded from this. I mean, you just have to make a moderate income, and all of a sudden the interest is not tax-free or tax-exempt if you use it for college planning. So you have to be very careful on using this money because the tax benefits are really for people who are in low-income to moderate-income brackets. It's not for the people who are making a comfortable wage. So you have to be very careful to talk about that. Um, the use of the money, you can, the qualified expense that can possibly be tax-exempt are tuition and fees. Who has control is the owner of the bonds. The negative is, is there strict eligibility rules on who qualifies to take that tax-exempt because of income limitations, and there's really only modest potential tax breaks. So I don't think savings bonds are as powerful as they once were because we're about to get into really the powerhouses. I think the 529, besides the Coverdell, now remember Coverdells I think are very powerful. The only limitation there is that you can only do $2,000 a year, which is a decent amount, but it's not a ton when we're talking about trying to fund for college, especially, especially if you know your child wants to go to a, a private college or you know an Ivy League or something that's 
that's going to have quite a bit of expense associated with it. So the different type of, of savings plans, the first thing I'm going to talk about, and then I'm going to spend a great deal of time on the next, probably after we come back from break, Break, but the, the first one is the 529 prepaid tuition plan that is offered by states. Um, contribution levels do vary by state, so you have to check with the plan that's available in your state. The income tax break is um, pretty similar to a lot of the other th- plans we've already talked about, is that earnings are not taxed federally and possibly state-wide if you use them for qualified educational expenses. And there might even be a state tax deduction if you meet some of their income limitations, and so forth. There is a 10% penalty on earnings if withdrawn for anything that is not education-based. The use of the money can be used for tuition and fees. Who has control? The donor usually has control, so whoever's contributed the money is the one that's going to have control. And the negative is, is very similar to the 529 savings plans. And that's what I'm going to talk about when we come back from break, because 529 savings plans have erupted. I know that you, you have to live under a rock to not know about 529 savings plans. These are the plans that are set up by each state. And each state, like I've already told you in the past, can have multiple plans, and they are not all created equally. Some of these plans are not worth the paper they're written on, and some of them are outstanding, and you're going to find there's a lot of opportunities if you know how to use these, these, these tools. So if we're reviewing just where we've been so far, I think my preference is if you know your kids are going to go to private school for K-12 through education, go look at those covered LIRAs. And, I, you know, you might want to go look at some of the low-cost providers like Vanguard and so forth and, and set up an account for the children there. There's a lot of flexibility with setting those plans up, but the only limitation is, is that you can only do two grand a year. If you know that your child is going to go to an expensive college, you might want to consider looking at what we're going to be talking about right after we come back from commercial break, which are the 529 savings plans. So I'm hoping you're enjoying this. Um, I know this. there's a select group of people that need to talk about college and, and education savings, but I still think that there's a great deal to be learned from this type of topic. So join me. Come back after the break. We love to have you here on The Money Guy Show. I am your host, Brian Preston. We'll be right back after these commercial breaks. Brian Preston, one half of Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. I'm now a fee-only planner. I didn't like the whole conflict of interest that was out there with commissions. If you found out how profitable life insurance was to sell, everybody started looking like they needed life insurance. So I just took that out of the equation and got into focusing on what I was good at, which was the consulting side of giving advice, helping people learn how to make money, and that way the client doesn't feel like they're worried about me selling them products. It allows me to really build trust because I have what's also called a fiduciary responsibility and obligation to put the client's best interest even ahead of my own. What I think is the most important part of my job, educating the client. The great thing about if you're a good fee-only financial planner, you don't have to sell anybody anything. If you can educate the client, it goes much further than ever trying to sell them products. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management, fee-only financial and investment advisors. Visit Preston-Cleveland.com. That's Preston-Cleveland.com. Back for our last segment here on The Money Guy Show. I am your host, Brian Preston, and thanks for joining us today. It means a lot to me 
that you've come to listen and spend an hour with us. Because if you can give me an hour a week, we are going to change your life here on The Money Guy Show because we're here to restore order to your financial chaos. You're listening to us, listening to us one of two different ways. You're either listening through Business Radio 1160. That's the radio station here in Atlanta that we're being broadcast from. And I'd love if you are listening on Business Radio 1160 because I'm getting a lot of feedback, a lot of email questions from my worldwide audience that are listening to me on the Internet through iTunes or some other source that absorbs the podcast that we publish every week. But I want to hear from the people here who are here in the Atlanta marketplace. So if you like what you're hearing on the Money Guy Show, write me an email. You can write the, the show at brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com. That's how you can send me email questions, give me thoughts on how we can improve the show, and I'm here to answer your questions. Getting back on topic with what we're talking about today is we are talking about really education funding and and the ways you can make sure you're doing everything you can to do college planning as well as all the other education savings opportunities that are out there. And before we went to the the previous two segments, we've talked about all the different retirement savings vehicles. We've talked about covered LRA accounts, custodial accounts. We've talked about using IRAs for educational purposes. We've also talked about savings bonds, 529 prepaid tuition and last we've say and this is what we're going to talk about right now are the 529 savings plans that are offered individually by each state now as i talked about and i've hit on this several times and the reason i keep repeating this is because this is so important states can have multiple plans and they are not all created equally i will go ahead and give you my opinion on this real quick i think when you're looking to buy a 529 plan You've got to consider buying directly from the source. Go directly to source. I don't think you want to do one of these broker-pushed plans because if you have too many hands in the cookie jar, it's taking away directly from performance. Because what I say about retirement savings and everything else is you need to pay a really close attention to what the fees and the structure of what you're investing is. Because if you've got too many fees, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many hands in the cookie jar, it does take directly from your long-term performance. And that is paramount to make sure you're doing everything you can, specifically for retirement or for college savings, you want every dollar working for you. So let's talk about 529 plans, and then I'm going to give you a list of the best and worst 529 plans for you to go research. 529 plans have contribution levels that are tremendous. This is why these things are popular specifically with people who have large sums of assets. It does vary by state, but it can go as high. You can get up to $300,000 in these plans in some states. There's no earnings limit also. You can make a million dollars a year and still contribute to a 529 plan. There's a lot of opportunity there. And a lot of them you know, that you can give $12,000 a year. I've already talked about that with custodial accounts. An individual can give a non-spouse $12,000 a year. Well, a lot of states have written in specific language that allows you to accelerate that gifting. You can do five years worth of gifting um, all at once. So it's a great estate planning tool, too. If you're a grandparent or something and you're trying to low down, you know, lower your estate for, for tax planning purposes, here's an opportunity to front and load five years' worth of gifting into a college savings account. So you can do $60,000 in one year if you structure it correctly. Um, income tax breaks, earnings are not taxed federally and possibly statewide as, as well. It depends upon where your plan is. States are a little foggy on that. But the earnings are not taxed federally if, the, if used for 
education expenses. Contributions may be state tax deductible, as I've already mentioned. You just have to read the language there. There is a 10% penalty on earnings if withdrawn for non-education qualified expenses. The use of the money is very flexible. You can use it for tuition, fees, books, supplies, equipment, as I've already mentioned earlier. That can be computers or other educational equipment, room and board. And then it, who has control? The donor owns and controls the accounts. So that's that's what people love on these things is that just because the child reaches majority age, they can't walk into the bank and pull all the money out like you can with custodial accounts. So these things have really revolutionized the um, the college savings landscape out there. A lot of people are now jumping on these 529 savings plans. Now let's talk about if there are any negatives out there. And this is the same for the prepaid tuition plans as well as the 529 savings plans. There's too many plan choices and complicated structures. And you see that, that's what is confusing and that's why I keep reiterating that you have to make sure that when you go look at all the different state plans that you are focusing on the one that is the cream and not the trash that's floating around the bottom that could be taking robbing your children of their college savings with the high fees and cost structure. Um, they could also hurt financial aid eligibility, so you need to be very careful of that. And the only way you can fund a 529, this gets back to the um, email question. Somebody asked about could you convert a 529 to a Roth. only way you could do that is if you pulled the money down, paid the penalty, um, for not using it for educational purposes, but it also goes the other way. You can't take IRA assets or appreciated stock um, assets and contribute them to a 529 plan. The only way you can contribute to a 529 was straight up cash. Um, so you don't have the opportunity you see, like you see with some custodial accounts and others, where you can have grandparents or parents, you know, give appreciated stock to a child and. Um, let them cash that in at a lower tax bracket. But that's not the case with 529 plans. Got to be cash contributions. So I don't think that's a huge negative because there's so many other things that can be done with these plans. That they more than make up for that limitation. Let's talk about the best and worst 529 plans. And I put this list together based upon flexibility, cost structure, and then how good that plan provider, their reputation is with the, the, the type of investments that they typically use. So you're going to notice a trend here on which plan providers have some of the better you know, state plans that are out there. Um, and this is my opinion. So take it with a grain of salt. This is based upon my research. You've got to go out there and verify everything I say. I don't care how much you trust me and how much you listen to the show. Still go verify. There's my disclaimer um, for legal purposes. Uh, but the Utah, what I consider one of the better plans out there is the Utah Vanguard plan. And I do have a link on the website. You can go to money-guy.com and we do have it linked up out there so you can go research this directly from the website and make sure you're choosing the right plan. The reason I picked this plan is it does have low cost, has excellent investment options, and good investment flexibility. As well as you know with Vanguard, there's excellent shareholder friendly friendliness and you know you're getting a good investment vehicle there another good plan and i have quite a few listeners from here just like you go here some of the other states i mentioned the new york the new york vanguard plan now no new york has multiple plans as well so yeah you might want to go check the website and make sure you're getting the right plan here because this is the vanguard plan 
And the reason this was picked is very similar to the Utah plan. It has all the same benefits that we had with the, the Utah plan, which was it had you know the excellent Vanguard investment options, good investment flexibility, and of course, excellent shareholder friendliness. Um, we've got the Alaska T. Rowe Price College Plan. Remember, we're talking about the good plans here. The Alaska T. Rowe Price College Plan, and the reason it was picked once again, excellent investment options because it is using T. Rowe Price, good investment flexibility, and excellent shareholder friendliness. So these are all things that are very important. Another place that I have tons of listeners out there is the California Fidelity Scholarship Scholar Share Plan. That's, that's kind of one of those tongue twisters. The California Fidelity Scholar Share Plan um, is a very good one to go look at as well. Remember, once again, just like New York, California has multiple options as well. You got to make sure you're choosing the right plan here. The reason I picked the California Fidelity Scholar Share Plan is that it has low-cost low investment options because it uses Fidelity. It can work with the Fidelity College Rewards American Express card. It's one of the the really good rewards um, credit cards out there. It has 1.5% of purchases go to fund your college savings. So here's an alternative way that you can fund your children's um, college savings is by some of the way you're using your credit cards. You could use the rewards to go directly to fund college savings for junior. That's pretty powerful. And then last, I put this on there because I have you know a lot of listeners, and this is actually where I have my own daughter's college savings plan, is the Georgia T. Rowe Price Plan. It's very similar because it's managed by T. Rowe Price. It's very similar to the Alaskan plan that we talked about previously. Now, I'll tell you my own personal thoughts on 529 funding before I get to these worst funds, out, the, the worst 529 plans according to Morningstar, is I front-end load. I think that and what I mean by front-end load, I mean that because I said that it's a young person's savings game, so you get full benefit of all that compounding interest, what I tried to do was load up my daughter's college savings account in the first two years of her life. That way we get a big lump sum in there. So it can continue to grow tax-free until she uses it for college. So I think that's a smart option. You know, that way you can front-end load it, put a lot of in in the first two years of their life, and then back off, you know, and, and slow down on the savings to, to figure out what the how the cost increases of education are going to continue. Because as many of you have probably seen in the research, the cost of education is above and beyond inflation. It's one of the most expensive things on the how fast the, the expense of education continues to increase. So if you front-end load it, you, you can at least evaluate you know, later if you need to continue doing large contributions or if you can back off because you put enough in there. I also like people to consider using um, the age-based investment options. The age-based portfolios are very good because what these things do is if you choose based upon your child's age when you contribute the money, they will be automatic. You'll get professional money management that will control the mix of investments to where they're very aggressive in the beginning, but then as your child gets closer to college age, they have slowed down and taken down some of that risk so that by the time your child is ready to reach college, um, or, or fund all the education expenses, the money has been safe and been well diversified and invested, and it's there ready to fund their expenses. So these are some of the things that I think you need to consider when we're talking about using these 529 savings vehicles. Let's talk about the worst plans, because these are the ones you've got to be careful of, um, that you're, you're not getting caught up in 
and, and investing in these plans that have high fee structures and aren't doing everything they need to for your children and the college savings. The worst plans, according to Morningstar, this is not according to me, this is according to Morningstar, the Alabama Higher Education Plan that was is administered by Van Campen, Arizona PF 529, which is administered by Pacific Funds, the Arizona SM&R family, and that's administered by SM&R Alger, um, Nebraska AIM plan, which is administered by AIM, North Carolina plan that is administered by Seligman, or uh, Seligman, I guess is the, the way you pronounce that, the North Dakota SAVE plan, which is administered by Morgan Stanley, and then the Wyoming College Achievement plan, which is administered by Merrill Lynch. Did you notice a trend on every one of those plans? The reason every one of those plans is on there, my thoughts is, is because they're all commission-based plans, meaning that these are majority of these plans, every one of these, you have to be sold these plans by a broker or an advisor or somebody out there. And I remember what I said about having too many hands in the cookie jar. And I think the problem is there's just too many fees too many fees attached to a lot of these plans, so you've got to be very careful out there. And that's why I say you want to go directly to the state plans that you can go buy yourself and not have to have somebody spoon-feed you the documents and the applications. Because a lot of these websites, if you go on, all the ones I talked about as the good plans, you can go download all the applications directly off the websites. And I do have links to every one of these plans on the Money Guy website. And that's money-guy.com. You can go out there, click on these good links. I didn't put links to the worst plans, as you can imagine. I didn't want to give them any additional opportunities. But you can at least go out there and get the newsletter, get the website, and make sure you're getting um, access to the better plans out there. And I do think it's important to save for college. But remember the word of caution I gave you. Your children can go get student loans. You cannot go get a loan for retirement. So take that, take that advice um, and take it to heart because I want to make sure that you're saving for college for your children, but you're also saving and doing everything you need to do to build the true peace of mind that comes from financial independence. I hope that we've accomplished our goal today. That's to educate you help you restore some order to your financial chaos, and to go beyond common sense. I am your host for The Money Guy Show. This is Brian Preston. Until next week, I'll talk to you soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.